Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Analyzing Everton with me, David Hughes, and to my left, Josh Williams. Um, Josh, <laughs> how are you, mate? How long uh, we'll ask you this week because you're not you're not your hundred percent fit self, are you? No, a little bit under the weather. Uh, thankfully, I don't think it's Corona levels. No, it's but, not. Um, yeah, not perfect, and uh, obviously just stop crying off the back of uh, last night's result, but we'll keep that one quiet. <laughs> yeah, so while we were all gleefully watching Liverpool get knocked out of the Champions League, do spare thought for Josh yeah. as uh, the resident red. Who, uh, yeah, I was in the uh, in the bath with a bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, I think we'll all be doing that in a few weeks away, it's gone. <laughs> um, but, you know, whilst we may sound jolly today, on Sunday afternoon we weren't because uh, we watched Everton get stuffed 4-0 at Stamford Bridge. Um, really bad results and continues what is a woeful record of no win at Stamford Bridge since 1994. Yeah, is... the record against the top four or the top six isn't, isn't no, too clever. It's terrible. Um, but we'll save that for another week. Um, we'll we'll have a chat about Chelsea anyway because there's a few things that we probably should address. Um, I also want to have a look at the defence because I found out something interesting this week, which we'll come on to a little bit later, and then we'll preview uh, the Merseyside derby. Which it's strange, isn't it? It's normally a huge game, but with everything that's going on, it's been hard to kind of focus on it. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely possible that by the time this pod goes out, it's been. Cancelled or something yeah. like the uh, you just don't know, do you? Well, that's it. Yeah, I mean, this pod's gonna go out. We're recording on Thursday. It'll probably go out today, but it seems every half an hour something different's happening. So um, we'll wait and see anyway. But we'll 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 start by looking at Chelsea, which was, I mean, there's no no way to get around. It was a really bad result uh, paired with a really bad performance. I personally expected it to be quite competitive, uh, but it wasn't, was it? No, I think we both actually predicted two all for mm-hmm. this one. Um, I expected each team to cause the other problems, but Chelsea seemed to cope really well with what Everton were presenting, um, which I must admit on a day wasn't wasn't <laughs> yeah, much. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Chelsea seemed Chelsea played as though it was a derby or something. They seemed yeah, really really up for, up for it. Man. It feels like they're kicking into gear. A good time of the season. Frustratingly, it was billed as a kind of two sides. Pushing for Europe, even though Everton were a little bit off the pace in comparison. You know, Chelsea have got United right up the backside, and United, who we've spoke about today, haven't we? Just general chit chat saying how good they are. That Chelsea did need a win, but if Everton wanted to compete in Europe next season, um, they needed a win as well. And two, you know, two teams might have been on the pitch, but only one really turned up. Uh, yeah. It was probably a fair assessment. Uh, I think that's captured. In the underlying numbers as well, yeah, Everton had a XG of well, I've got in front of me here numbers wise as uh, just point five, whereas Chelsea were two point zero. Um, 
Chelsea had 16 shots, 11 of which were on target. Everton had four with only two on target, which... That's a lot on target, that. Yeah, it is. For 11 out of 16 to hit the target. Yeah, it's bad. Um, I mean, they were well beaten in every sense of the word. Yeah. Um, Well, I will say, even the the bulk of Everton's XG comes from Calvert-Lewin, who misses a big chance in the first half. Now, I like Calvert-Lewin. We we both like him. Really good. Um, But... Perhaps in terms of making that next step to be a top player, he needs to start trying to convert some of these more difficult chances, doesn't he? He's got a uh, post-shot expected goal combined total of 13.17 this season. He scored 13 goals. This is purely in the league. Um, So he's performed in line with his expected numbers, but the top players normally um, exceed and overperform in this department, and that's the step up he needs to make if he's going to lead Evans' line. Yeah, I've just looked at the, just looked at the chance now because I watched the game, but when that chance happened, I actually left the room. <laughs> <laughs> so I've just watched I've just watched it now, just saw the, the chance now. I might be wrong here, but does he does he miss chances like that quite often? While while obviously meeting his expected goals numbers by mm. scoring the odd overhead kick like we saw yeah. at, at the Emirates, it feels like he does. It feels like he's not the best one on one with the goalkeeper. That's very fair. Um, maybe that's just what he needs to work on. Maybe that yeah. he just needs to to get in a position where he's bossing one on ones and he's um, I don't know, just mixing it up in terms of finding the corners or taking it around the keeper or, or whatever. But yeah, I think maybe the uh, <coughs> the Arsenal game really captures Calvert Lewin as he is now because you touched on that over a kick. That was a really good finish, but then he misses really to it. I think is it two really good easy chances. You know, you need to combine those, you know, the overhead kicks and the difficult ones with the easy ones, don't you, to be a top striker? Yeah. And that seems to be what he's missing at the moment. Yeah, I think another player that comes to mind that's a bit like that is Raheem Sterling. Mm. I think Sterling's perceived to be a terrible finisher amongst those that maybe don't follow analytics as much as as much as we do. Mm. And it's because you do consistently see him miss an absolute open goal mm. by falling over the ball or something yeah. mad like that. It, it, and he seems to be quite a feeble striker of the ball. He yeah. doesn't seem to connect with it very well when he hits it. Um, not many goals from outside the box and things like that because of that. But That's a really it, good comparison between those two players now. Think about the striking technique and stuff. Yeah. Feels like you never see Calvert-Lewin absolutely smash one into the back of the net. No, no, you don't. But Sterling's, again, no similar in the sense that he scores enough though to, to meet his numbers and yeah. stuff, and he, he does he does find a net quite frequently. It's just those big misses that he seems to exhibit paints a picture mm. in um, in people's minds about whether a player can finish it or not. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, look, I think a lot of the issues Everton experienced was uh, was in midfield. You know, set up flat four four two with a midfield two of Gomez and Davis. Uh, it just didn't work. I I remember this midfield too last season in a six-two hammering at home to Tottenham. <laughs> Got absolutely <coughs> tore apart. Uh, Adrissa Gay was still at the club at this point, but he was injured, so uh, Silver had to go with this too. And they were blitzed in midfield, like it was it was painful to watch. And this game was a reminder as to why that doesn't work. Um, they just. They're too slow in there, just easily bypassed. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, what were your thoughts just in general on, on that kind of midfield battle or lack of? Yeah, I think Chelsea just generally caused Everton's 4-4-2 problems. That was what I picked up on mm. in terms of Everton having three banks of players and Chelsea having, well, several banks of players because yeah. they have, they were a lot more fluid. Um, Billy Gilmore, Ross Barkley, Giroud, Pedro, these are all players that are good in and between, you know, between the lines mm. and stuff like that. Um, and he was just... One pass should not be able to bypass a midfield bank of four. Yeah. Um, maybe you could look into something along the lines of staggering your your, your midfield bank of four so that rather than being a flat line, mm. you've got players positioned in different heights and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Um, how much do you think that Everton's midfield two struggled because of the the, the wide players that were that were positioned in the midfield? Lack of help, maybe, or... Yeah, Everton's wide players. Yeah. Um, Do you think that influenced Everton at all? Or? Potentially, yeah. I don't, I'm trying to think who was, who was out wide in that game. Sigurdsson uh, and... Yeah. Bernard, so, maybe? Yeah. You know, Bernard... People are screaming for Bernard to play in, in more consistently, but there's a reminder why, and there's a reminder why he doesn't play away from home. He's he's too innocuous. He doesn't do enough. He's, he's a bit of an invisible man. Um... Sigurdsson is the epitome of an invisible man at the moment. And you made a really good like kind of joke before about him, where you said he he's played everywhere except, or he's been everywhere except on the bench. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that that's true. And yeah, they didn't seem to be tucking in very well. They weren't natural wingers, um, and I think that just that affected the whole shape. Um, it's interesting that you said about. You know, maybe different position in terms of the midfield, and you know, different heights or uh, general in between the lines, different positions. Because um, at two 0 they did go to more of a diamond four four two, but again, it just it was too easy. It was just too easy. I think they just lacked the right pit, the correct personnel in the middle to to kind of slow Chelsea down. Yeah, maybe lacking a bit of mobility, really. Yeah. Um, and and a, kind of game, yeah, I was so. just going to say this is the gate type. Yeah, someone I can cover ground almost for for two players. Yeah, it was a reminder though, and you have to excuse me, I haven't kind of mentioned this on our agenda or anything, uh, but it was a reminder that Gomez is a good player, but it, there's a reason why we've had question marks over them. You know, and I don't mean Everton fans, Everton fans love him, and I do like him as a person, and he's a tidy ball player, but. I mean, like me and you've spoken pieces we've done and how he looks in the numbers and stuff. It was a reminder that he's he can be quite limited. You know, yeah. he can be a good ball player, but sometimes other areas of his game aren't really there. Yeah. No, I was just well, as you were saying that I was thinking to myself, he has got limitations. Yeah. Um and I think generally if you do look at his numbers, some players contributions can't always be captured in the numbers, but Andre Gomez certainly looks to be the type of player who it's just kind of fine at everything. Yeah. Um, but not kind of the the Jack of all trades, master of none sort of vibe. Yeah, yeah. Um I don't know. Hmm. I mean he was he was a he was a really good passer in the Arsenal game when he first came back. They look fantastic. I, th- I think I think the problem is in Everton's case at the minute there's not really many alternatives. No. He's that's he's it. one of the very true central midfielders that Everton actually possess who's fit at the minute. Hmm. Um a lot of the others there. Uh, Maybe shoehorned into yeah. like Sigurdsson's obviously an attacker or a wide player or number ten or whatever, not a centre midfielder. No, I don't know what to say about Davis either. Now, 
Davis seems to show up all right on some data, doesn't he? But mm. again, you know, he's still young, and, and as I've said, you know, people write off young players and they come back and bite you on the backside. Calvert Lewin, and Holgate. So let's not write Davis off. But mm. at, at, at present, he he doesn't seem to really add anything much to the to the team. Um, I mean, he slotted in midfield and he struggled again. Um, but yeah, I said it went to a diamond four four two. Didn't really work. Um, and yeah, Chelsea was cutting Everton open too easy. Four goals conceded. And that was Ancelotti's joint worst ever defeat as a manager. That yeah, um, and probably could have been a little bit more. <coughs> Just moving on slightly, there is there is a few alarm bells with the defense in general. Um, which I know he's still trying to just, he's coming in, he's trying to install a philosophy uh, how he wants to play in the next few seasons. But um, this week I noticed that Everton's um, average post-shot expected goals against. So that's basically XG, but it's it's things that, um, characteristics after the shot's been taken, isn't it? So things like shot trajectory, uh, goalkeeper positioning, pressure, etc. Basically, it's an overview of how good the shots are. Mm. It's a more detail. Um, Everton's average before Ancelotti come in was um, 0.93, and it's increased since Ancelotti's come into 1.66, and this is per 90 as an average. I mean, it's a big leap, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's not far off doubles. Yeah. Which is uh, yeah. which is high, and have have you got any thoughts on why you think that is? Yeah, well, we spoke a little bit about it to me. I must say, I'm a little bit surprised by it, mm. just because Everton have generally dropped back. They're not playing as high, as much of a high line. Yeah, usually when you play a high line, you will face sporadic shots, but when they come, they're quite clear cut. Mm. Whereas if you're playing a mid block, which is what Everton seems to favour under Ancelotti, the shots that the the opposing team do take should be a bit more. In clogged areas, um, they shouldn't be as clear cut. They should be, you know, from dodgy angles with mm. Everton players in the vicinity of the ball. So I'm a little bit surprised by that. Um, obviously, it relates somewhat to the goalkeeper as well. Yeah. But the same goalkeeper was in, was in goal for for Silver's time. So yeah, it's a, I don't it, know, a little bit of a weird one. Yeah, it, I mean, it is a bizarre one. I I had the theory, didn't I? Where <coughs> I can't touch on what you said. You know, is it potentially down to removing that press? I've said before, however, and uh, pressing less aggressively now under Ancelotti, um, and they're sitting a little bit deeper. Which, as you said, it should be a good thing. Um, it should have more of a compact defensive unit. But perhaps Everton just aren't that great at defending. The defenders aren't great, and people aren't. I don't know. You think of people like Sadibi and stuff, not great defensively. Dean, Dinier, sorry, he isn't great defensively, really, even though he's a good fullback. Um, and, you know, under Silva, we were keeping, Everton were keeping uh, opposition teams away from the goal on the whole, really. You know, they had, at one point, they, had, they were in, like, the top five for the fewest shots in Europe, weren't they? Shots faced, yeah. Yeah, shot faced. Um, but again, that's the product of a high press. Yeah. That's what you'd expect. Um, and if you, drew, if you drop back to a mid-block, you would expect to face more shots, but you'd expect those shots to maybe be a bit trickier to score. Mm. But it seems to have gone the opposite way, according yeah. to them numbers at least. Have you checked the, XP, the XG per shot? No, I haven't. This is that just... That would be interesting yeah. to see. Yeah, maybe it's something to follow up with. Um, or if you can do it now, I don't know. 
Isolate Angelo's time. Yeah, up. no, well, maybe it's a it's a piece we can work on one of us over the weekend. But yeah, either way, it's it is alarming because it's it's basically showing that the opposition are kind of creating more um, high quality shots over the course of a game under Chelsea than they were silver. And as I said, I do think some of it does come down to the fact that um, teams are getting closer to Everton's goal with slightly more increased shots, and this becomes a big problem when you've got. A below par keeper on current form, like uh, like Everton have with Pickford. Now, <laughs> Pickford's a bit of a contentious issue on this pod because I'm I don't really want people thinking I'm digging him out every week, even though it seems to be the case. But um, at the end of the day, I'm just gonna I'm gonna talk about what what I believe based on analysis and what I've seen, and he's performing at a, a below average level, and it, I think it's cost them Everton and. And you you you've seen the numbers. You you'd agree, wouldn't you? That he's not he's not great at the moment. No, he's not. I mean, <laughs> people that listen to the show regularly will know my thoughts on Pickford. Mm. I do think he's upgradable. Certainly, I just I'm not sure he's near the top of the shopping list in terms of just other areas needing more investment yeah. than, a, than a new goalkeeper. But um, yeah, he's 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 just not the type of keeper to get you out of um, get you out of problems and do your favors and things like that. You know, people were saying on on Sunday that they thought he was one of Everton's best players. Conceding four. Yeah, but they said, you know, behind the goals, he, he, he pulled off some big saves and stuff. Um, but that, I take issue with that a little bit, though, because, I mean, we've just got off a of Liverpool pod, haven't we? Mm. Talking about Adrian. Yeah. Um, and earlier in the season when Adrian came in for Alisson, there was a bit of a positive perspective around him that because he, he pulled off some some decent big saves and things like that. But if, you, if you're still conceding, it's a bit redundant. Yeah. yeah. Um, in, in the 11 Premier League games Adrian's played, he's kept a clean sheet in two of them. That's not Liverpool's standard. Mm. And I think from Pick, Pickford's perspective, um, praising him for pulling off, I think there was a double save in particular, mm. wasn't there? Mm. Um, that, that was decent and would make the highlight wheel on match of the day. But he's conceded four. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think one of the first two in particular, I think he was certainly to blame for. Can't remember which one. Was it maybe the uh, the Mason Mount one where he spins at edge of the box and kind near of post, near post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was yeah and I agree. I thought that wasn't great either, but um, it's a strange one. People think there's an agenda, and it really isn't because I don't dislike Pickford as a person. I know he, he can great on some people, but to be honest, though, I, I've I've had you know Sky Sports News on that the past week or so, and. They've had plenty of little little debates. Paul Robinson was in the other day talking about England goalkeepers and things like that. And the general perspective on Pickford from these pundits who obviously aren't focused on analytics as much as we are is that he's having a little bit of a you know negative run of form, but he's still England's best comfortably and, and all this sort of stuff. And I just can't help listening to him and thinking to myself, he's been really, really bad, you know. Yeah, he's had like, like a he's really been, he's bad been, year. He's been worse than what people... Recognise. Yeah. Well, let's let's capture it then. So, for me, if you're England's number one, you need, especially when you've got uh, keepers like Henderson around who, 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 you know, perform at really good levels. Uh, Heaton was probably a little bit better than Pickford, actually, he wasn't great. But, you know, let's capture it in this. Uh, in this season, Pickford has a, a post-shot expected goals against combined total of 39.9. So he should have conceded around thirty nine, forty goals. Um he's conceded forty six. 
Yeah. And I said to you, there's a um, I was talking to a a guy who may be well known for people on Twitter who sports Everton, um, Matt Cheatham. Um, I think he worked. He's one of the data guys or stack guys at Sky Sports. Seems a really nice guy. I've never met him, but communicated, uh, chatted a few times on Twitter. Um, and he made a really good point about you know points. Uh, so one goal tends to be the value of around a point. Um, it's something that's fairly well regarded or well known in kind of the analytical community and just to get get a capture of that it's uh, last season there was 1072 league goals and there was 1069 points uh this season there's been 792 league points and there's been 784 goals so that theory does kind of add up and based on that you know um Everton are arguably six points worth, worse off as a result of Pickford's ability goal. Um, so while people think you're constantly digging someone out, that isn't the case. But we're not. You're not even asking for an overperformance. You're just asking to perform at least an average level, and he hasn't been. And I said early on the week, I think if if Southgate was to overlook him in the Euros this season for someone like Henderson, who's been the opposite. In terms of really performing at top level, that's probably fair. Yeah, I I highly doubt that Southgate will make any sort of change. Mm. But I do think that if he was, if he had a follow on the numbers mm. sort of thing, and he, if 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 you could see the the drop off that he has suffered, yeah, I do think he would um he'd, he'd consider it, especially once you look at Dean Henderson who. I think he saved maybe something like seven more goals than he should have or something like yeah. that. He got the second best save percentage in the league behind mm-hmm. Allison. And they talk about experience and you know, experience of major tournaments and all this sort of stuff, but Pickford's played one tournament. I mean, Dean Henderson seems to me as a really, you know, type of player with real self belief. Mm. Almost to the extent that he's a bit cocky and stuff. Yeah. He, he won't struggle in a first tournament like that. No. And also it's not a flash in the pan, is it? Because he did he, Henderson was doing his last season as well. Um, I, he was probably the best keeper in the championship. Um, and maybe people start taking him more serious when he's potentially playing for United next year. Um, but this isn't a Sheffield United or United, uh, Manchester United, I should say, <laughs> a podcast. So we won't stay on that. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast. I say, I just think, I think we need to see Pickford improve because when you're... Um, when you're letting more high quality chances on on goal, you need your keeper to pull you out of the out of the uh, trouble a little bit more than what he's doing, and that's maybe why we're Evan are conceding so many. Yeah, it will impact your results at the end of the day. Mm. We know that from Liverpool's result last yeah. night at Atletico Madrid. That's it. The keepers knocked them out of the Champions League. Exactly. Really. Yeah, you can be perfect for the full match, yeah. but it, all it takes is a goalkeeper who's not at the le- the required level, and. You might take 20 shots, the opposing team might take five. But if your goalkeeper's dodgy and, and concedes one of those five, then, you know, you you go a goal down and all this sort of stuff. And It's just, um, I don't think goalkeepers have a massive influence on performance, but you will get to a point where your performance is really good, if your coach is decent at least. Um, if you're still not delivering results, um, a lot of that usually can come down to a goalkeeper. You yeah. look at Kepa at Chelsea, um, Liverpool when Mignolet was there, and 
I'd seen last night, you, you really need a top goalkeeper if you want to start getting results rather than just performances. Yeah, spot on. Um, with that in mind, because we keep we referenced Liverpool a few times. Yeah, hopefully uh, don't don't send me abuse. No, <laughs> no, no. Because but the, no, what's good because because the show's gone on long enough now. I was reluctant to do this in the early days because we because everyone knows that you're quite objective because that's what we tend to be on on the shows. Um, it's probably a good idea to get an idea of how you feel as a Liverpool fan ahead of this game. Um, and obviously how the season looking to peter out at the moment I, I don't know if people are listening to this now Josh is just <laughs> shaking his head um, but obviously Derby on Monday night um, it's already a, a bizarre feeling around it all because we don't know what's going on uh, Liverpool have basically been dominant in the Premier League this season um, Yeah, almost at one stage it was unprecedented the, the kind of the, what they were putting together Um broke quite a few records since the winter break though they haven't been playing that great have they and I don't know if I'm being harsh in saying that there's there's a sense that the season feels a little bit that like based on going out to the Champions League and the FA Cup that it's pe- petering out just a little bit because of those eliminations in the com- other competitions yeah is that fair yeah no I know what you're saying yeah I think with uh, Liverpool uh, on a different level this season um, and when you're on a different level and you have the league title one for my in my opinion I thought it was one around December time. Yeah, I'd agree, by the way. Um I don't know, you can and the League Cup was we without the League Cup sort of thing, you can dedicate a bit more time towards the the FA Cup, maybe the Champions mm-hmm. League and the fact that I were out of out of the two of those now. Um you just kinda wondering what, what might have been. Yeah. Um and what you've just mentioned there, but we've mentioned Liverpool a few times during the pod. Um most of the times that I've mentioned Liverpool during this pod has been in relation to Pickford and, and Adrian. Mm. And that's because when, I'll be honest, when Liverpool did concede those goals last night, we were recording on Thursday, um, I I did feel at the time, I feel like I got Jordan Pickford in goal. Someone, someone <laughs> else said that to me last night. You know, I, mean, I don't oh, mind names. Uh, Sam McGuire it was, he messaged me and said, this kind of feels like having someone that you can't really rely on on goal, like a, a Pickford type. Yeah, but it took me back to a period that I didn't like when I was obviously watching my team. and You're generally good on the whole, but then all the opposing team needs is one, and, and you can see from it, so... Yeah. I think um, it just felt like a relatable situation to whatever the company's suffering with Pickford, maybe. Yeah. Although, I, I think Adrian's a bit worse. Yeah, yeah. The, the thing <laughs> with Pickford, the I will say, there. is because I've gone in on him and there'll be some fans of him now listening, I'm a bit furious how, how much we've went in. We'll say, yeah, Pickford doesn't look great at the moment. He hasn't been good this season, but he is still young. There's, there's plenty of time to get back to, like... A much higher level, so nobody's writing them off at all. Um, but it just needs to improve soon, otherwise, it'll start impacting um, Everton on the whole. That being said, <coughs> considering now what you've just said about Liverpool and um, it kind of feeling a little bit of a, an anti climax, do you think they'll be eager now with this one easy climate as well to get the title wrapped up as soon as possible? And that'll give added emphasis on getting the win on Monday night to Goodison. Um, I'm not sure because um, I've I've went into a few games lately thinking they're going to be eager to make a statement here mm. and we we haven't really 
I, th- I think since the winter break, there's only been one really, really impressive performance, and that was last night, and mm. we and we lost. Yeah. Um. Obviously, there's circumstances behind that, but um, I don't know. It's the type of game that generally I wouldn't look forward to a great deal. Mm. Um. And obviously, I'm not sure if you mentioned it yet, but there's the prospect of it being played behind closed doors. Well, let's mention it now, then. Um. I think that will obviously benefit Liverpool a great deal. Yeah. So. <coughs> We, me and Josh have spoke before on, on other pods, I think it was the Liverpool pod, about uh, Liverpool, even when Liverpool look fantastic, two toughest games of the season, bargain, obviously City, who are title rivals, were United away and Everton away. Um, Everton's derby record is poor, but people probably don't realise, I think Liverpool have only won one of the last seven league visits there. Um well, well, mainly just draws, so it has been quite difficult for them to go there. And it's, I think, it's because Goodison, when it's up for it, it's very emotional. It's tough for the opponents to play, to play at. Um, that gives Everton an advantage in the game. But of course, if the fans aren't in the grounds, I think that advantage goes, and suddenly it becomes eleven v eleven, and one superior team against the. A less quality side, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I said on the last pod, didn't I? That I think in in an empty stadium, that type of environment just benefits the players with great, greater quality. Yeah. It's as simple as that, really. Because mm. I think there's a greater emphasis placed on your individual ability, yeah. specifically your technical ability, because there's less, um, almost noise mm. around you. I suppose there's yeah. less distractions. It's more. As I said, a greater emphasis placed on just playing football. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to be- benefit the, the better players, the better team. Mm. Who, um, um, who would you say are Liverpool's key threats for Everton? For Everton to cater for? Yeah. Trent. Um, I'm blown away by what Trent has done this season. Mm. Uh, I've posted a few visits on my Twitter if you want to check them out. Yeah. This, I suppose that you won't want to. <laughs> well, no, because, you know, just. Although it's very tribal, there's people who are interested in the football aspect of the game, aren't they? So they yeah. might want to. They might want to. At yeah, distance no, covered, isn't it? Yeah, but he's he's just not playing like a fullback. He's just um, he's interpreting the role like a midfielder. He's playing the fullback as though maybe you would play David Beckham as a right back, mm. um, and he's probably the closest thing that Klopp has had to a conventional playmaker. Mm. We've generally tended to avoid that sort of thing mm. at Liverpool, but. Trent is just is just so creative, and if you compare him to the majority of fullbacks out there, he's just doing a lot more than virtually all of them. Mm. Um, well, I think it is interesting on the uh, Alexander Arnold point is, you know, people kind of see his threat on the right. If you you know if you if you if you kind of just casually watch watch football, you might just think you know he plays as a right back. His threats on the right. But he, as Josh has touched on, his, his vision and his ability to execute. Is that, yeah, that's what it is, it's his execution. Yeah, it's just pinpoint at times. And I think Everton have been really exposed at right back um, with Sadibi. I, th- I thought it happened a lot against Chelsea. And on the whole, I think defensively he's poor. And I could foresee a lot of switch balls over to that flank uh, from Alexander Arnold to Robertson, who mm. could punish Sadibi. Um, I think that could be something dangerous. Plus, uh, we touched on the wingers who are, don't seem to be natural wingers in terms of the defensive aspects of the game. You know, will will they leave Evan exposed to the wing backs as well? Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see how we go about doing it. Um, I think traditionally, 
past few years. Liverpool have tended to struggle at away grounds against teams that are quite aggressive and in your face. And it's because if you actually look at Liverpool's team, the key players in the, in the side are not really that much of a technical team. Mm. If you look at like players like Sadio Mane, Mohamed Salah, Jordan Henderson, Andy Robertson, they're all players that are quite like a little bit rough around the edges. Mm. Um, you wouldn't say the technicians like that. I'd say Trent maybe is Firmino, maybe. Um, but a lot of our players are players that are just a bit rough around the edges and stuff like that, and a little bit rough on the eye. And if, you, if you're playing that on away ground and the opposing team's really in your face, stepping on your toes and things like that, we tend to struggle to really sustain moves mm. and keep the ball and, and build build plays and things like that and that's one of the Goodison's one of the places we've suffered from mm. in that regard United has been the same in Old Trafford Napoli away uh, which relates to Ancel- Ancelotti mm, yeah good point um, trying to think of some other places just them away grounds that are quite you know the fans close to the pitch mm. and aggressive teams and, and that sort of thing yeah um, I agree You've, you mentioned some of the names but there's still like Salah for me you know Mane are just Always a threat. You're going to face Liverpool's best side as well. There's going to be no resting players. If you think of the two meetings earlier this season, the cup game, there was you know, a much-changed team. Even the league game, there was players like Shaqiri and Arigu come in. Think on this game, given everything that's happened with Liverpool, they'll be all out to put the best side out. Um, so you're going to have to watch for the front three. And There's, there's very few weak links in the outfield positions for Liverpool. Um but I suppose we can maybe flag um, where the potential areas Everton could get results, and that would be um, trying to expose the goalkeeper. Yeah, well, that's certainly one of the one of them. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you'll go down the of shoot on site, really. Yeah, I'd, um, yeah probably because should. he he's probably going to be shot when it comes to. I don't mean in that way. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean you're tempted, aren't you? But yeah, <laughs> I mean in the sense of um, his confidence is going to be shot. Um, we'll save the actual shooting for down the line. Yeah, <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure. Everton have got too many distance shooters anyway, though. Have they? No, Sigurdsson so, comes to mind. Obviously, yeah, he's, he scored that really good one against West Ham. But isn't it? Inter- All right, it's a little bit different. But do you know, Sigurdsson still hasn't scored a free kick for Everton since he signed. That's crazy. Yeah, isn't it? which is it's crazy. But um, yeah, just just on Liverpool's potential weakness. <laughs> obviously, I've I. If there's Liverpool, the team I watch behind Everton the most, you know, I, I kind of know them inside out uh, because we covered them so much, which can be a curse sometimes. But it's <laughs> it's good for these moments. And one area I think Everton might have success in is trying to expose the high defensive line, which for me, Liverpool tends to give opponents at least one or two clear cut chances per game. Now, usually Allison deals well with these. He'll either pull off a good save or he'll sweep fairly well and he leads to nothing. But with Adrian in goal, I think it, that's good news for Everton. Everton, and uh, I think they'll be presented with one or two of these. It's just about taking them. I think about an example that obviously Everton created a few good chances in the cup game, didn't take them. There was one in the uh, first league game where you actually said you thought it was a penalty, but I was in the ground, so I didn't. I couldn't see it, and it was a uh, Calvert-Lewin gets put through in, and Van Dijk just leans into him. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, enough to pull him off. But I thought that was a decent chance. 
I think Everton will get one or two of them, and it's just about getting your effort on target with Adrian in goal. You've got a half a chance of it leading to something. Yeah. Another thing on that on, on this as well is, and this is going to sound really, really simple, but if you can manage to take a lead against Liverpool, it seems to do an awful lot. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think, obviously that sounds very stupid, but um, Liverpool very rarely go a goal down. And when we do go a goal down, the emphasis is then placed on breaking down what usually is a low block. Mm. Um, Liverpool are a really complete team, capable in a variety of match scenarios. But if there's one um, approach that we don't like facing, it's probably an aggressive low block, mm. um, which tends to happen once we if we concede first. Um, and that's happened a lot lately since the winter break. So if Everton can do that, specifically away from home, if the ground's full of fans as well, mm. I can picture it being a difficult match. But I don't think Everton have managed to do that for a while have they? against against uh, Liverpool. Mm. No. No, it's uh, yeah. That's it, it. Does seem to it seems to be that if you don't take that first goal, it makes life difficult. And yeah, Everton don't tend tend to. But do I, w- so. I will say though that Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin are both very much a handful. Mm. Um, and Gomez and Van Dijk are really complete, and you don't usually get, you don't usually see them struggle. But I think in in Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison, you've got enough there to pose them problems. Yeah. And, um, they're just as physical and just as mobile, really. Yeah. So that'll be a good little matchup to see. Yeah, that will. Uh, they, 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 two positives that you'd always, you always think, you know, we've got that two some up top, and um, they are a handful for anyone, even if they're not full, the most clinical as of yet. You know, it, at twenty two, both of them, it's it's good signs. Um, a verdict, but I will allow a, a two pronged verdict, and that's <laughs> with and without fans. There's a third option that might mightn't even get played, but let's let's yeah, yeah. with or without fans, what what are you going for? So with fans mm. I'm going for a one all. Okay. And if it's played in an empty stadium, I think two 0 Liverpool. Okay, yeah. Um sorry. No, yeah. <laughs> I I'll be I'll be more optimistic on this one. Okay. Uh with fan, fans I'll go two one. But Without, yeah, I, I, I want to be proven wrong, but I could see it being three one maybe for Liverpool, um, just because I think quality will, will take over, and you know it's it's not a disservice to say to Evan that the quality isn't there yet, and the playing personnel, you know, there's no shame in admitting that you're playing a really good side, and the home advantage would probably help, but if it's not there, it'll be difficult for the players on the day, and there's not much you can do about that. Um, but it'll be it'll be interesting to find out anyway. Um, it'll also be interesting to see how we review it because the pair of us have no idea what what the next few weeks hold. Obviously, within the office today in the in the studio, but um, we'll we'll just keep keep you all updated on what's happening next and whether we'll be in here next week or or whatever. Yeah, there's uh, people outside the room now with gas masks. <laughs> <laughs> Time to get in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to go and fight them off anyway. So we'll we'll end it there. But um, hopefully, there's still some football this weekend. And fingers crossed, it's from an Everton point of view, it's a win. Uh, thanks as always, Josh. No worries, mate. Cheers, everyone. Bye. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.